know, I've been around a long time. I know how hard this is. From the political science department at UW-Madison. Am I exasperated? Absolutely, I'm exasperated. I'm Adam Wigger. This country's gone through tough times before, and we're going to do it again. And I'm Sam Beisman. This is more work than in my previous life. I thought it would be easier. And this is 1050 Basketball. As the global pandemic continues to raise questions about the future and stability of the job and internship market, 1050 Bascom is reaching out to successful political science grads to help us navigate these uncertain times. Today, we're excited to have Aaron Kutnick on the pod. Aaron graduated with a BA in political science in 2007 and has served as a valued alumni mentor in our political science alumni mentorship program for several years. We'll ask Aaron about his time at UW-Madison as well as his career path as the prior national field director at For Our Future in Washington, D.C., and who is now making a transition to becoming a teacher. First things first, thank you so much for being on 1050 Bascom today, Aaron. Happy to be here. So let's start broadly and just kind of talk about your start, if you will, in terms of your background and maybe even choosing your major back at UW-Madison. Did you come into the UW knowing you wanted to be a political science major? Like, what was just your thinking early on in your time in college as you thought about what you wanted to explore during your time there and even maybe what kind of post-grad job or career path you wanted? Yeah, so I wish I could say something impressive here, but honestly, I became a poli-sci major because I got an internship in New York my freshman year at a news organization. And they said, you had to have a declare a major. And I was like, well, the only thing that I've done more of one of is in political science and ended up signing up. And honestly, I was very happy I did so. I had always been interested in history. The idea of taking history and taking a more scientific approach to it, especially in politics, was really fantastic. I ended up liking the classes. And honestly, the more I reflect upon it, the more I really enjoyed and really happy that, you know, I had to choose that major because it turned out to be a really fantastic choice for me. Absolutely. We're really interested to hear how that degree in the major translated into your professional career and your professional narrative. Can you tell us a little bit about your career after college and, you know, the professional stepping stones you've taken to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, it's really funny. My political science major didn't really influence me going into politics. In fact, coming out of UW-Madison, I was pretty set on not going into politics. I had taken two internships that I was really fortunate to get, one doing campaigns in Brooklyn and another one working for a state senator. And honestly, they weren't the greatest of experiences uh, one could have, as I'm sure many listeners could agree upon. So I actually got my first job at a PR firm because I had done some internships there. I really had enjoyed, I liked communicating. I liked the idea of pitching stories that were helpful for the community. And so I tried that out. I was lucky enough to get a job in New York and really my major had nothing to do with it. And I didn't think it would be useful until the job that I had turned out to be a disaster for everyone. I didn't really like it. Admittedly, I got fired. Honestly, 
not torn up about it at all and didn't know what to do next. We're going to get some Obama feels here, guys. So just to prepare, someone suggested, hey, why don't you go volunteer for the Obama campaign? It's a great time. I knew a little bit about him from my PR firm actually working with his campaign for a little bit. Said, sure, why not? I ended up, vol- I was supposed to volunteer for six weeks. I ended up getting hired on and moving to Colorado for the campaign. And then I was off to the races. And that's when my political science major came in handy for sure. But honestly, I got some really good advice during the process that is still relevant today, which is do the majors that interest you and not necessarily that will 100% set you up for like success, unless you know exactly what you want to do and like go from there. And then kind of from that position where you were volunteering with the Obama campaign and then eventually hired on, how did that then transition to some of your positions later in political consulting and amongst other positions as the national field director for For Our Future? Yeah, so I got hired on to do field organizing, and I think you've had people on here to talk about this a little bit, so I won't rehash it so much, but field organizing is working with members of the community to commit actions and influence change to help people in the and their greater community. And I really got a high from that and I loved doing it. And after the campaign was over, I really wanted to keep doing that. And so I got a whole bunch of jobs that were relating to field organizing. Sometimes I took a securitist route here and there, but ultimately how I got to For Our Future was actually from Obama people that I had worked with who eventually were like, hey, I think you really are going to like this organization for our future is about not only enacting change in our community, but doing it all the time, not just during a campaign, which was something that I personally felt was a drawback on the Obama campaign. Like, you know, they they tried to stay there, but it was really hard. And then this for our future organization was really there to being like, hey, We're going to put serious money and serious people on the ground to work on issues, not just for a campaign, but like 24-7, year in and year out. Now, we know that you have recently turned your professional career towards education. Can you tell us a little bit about this development? Yeah, happy to. So I have always been interested in helping people and making a difference. And initially, especially on the Obama campaign, I really was drawn then and afterwards to be with candidates who I thought really would make a difference. And a lot of them did. Like I worked for a congressman who like, I'll never forget this, basically continued to take votes that would just sink his campaign and my job, but like absolutely loved him for it. And I continued to do candidates like that because I loved it or working for super PACs that backed those candidates. And I think eventually, especially in this pandemic, you just reach a point where I think many of us can relate to this. You reflect about what you really want to be doing. And I came to the conclusion that I wanted to see the impact and the change in communities and people's lives right away and daily, rather than working for candidates who could maybe do, who do eventually do some great work on the Hill or, you know, in presidential office. So really what drew me is like being able to work with kids and like get a aha moment every day and to help 
them figure out what they want to not only do with their lives, but also how to just do basic stuff. Yeah, that is definitely an awesome pursuit and a great reason to get into education. And before we talk more about some of the things in your career, you know, we're really coming up close on May and a lot of people are going to be graduating soon, a lot of listeners. Can you share a little bit of advice to people who are graduating as they're looking for their first job, maybe pull from your own experience? What are some things that some people can do to bolster up their chances of finding a job post-grad? Yeah, so that that's a great question. And I really want to acknowledge that like this crop of graduating students are facing something that no one has faced in like over a century. And like absolutely take my advice, but you are in a different world now. And like you need to take all advice with a grain of salt, knowing the challenges y'all are facing, because it's going to be way harder than even I experienced with the, you know, basically great recession that I experienced. And so I think first and foremost, my biggest advice is whatever you do and are doing, like go easy on yourself. I talk to a lot of UW students still, and they ask a lot of great questions, but when I read between the lines or I ask more directly, they kind of ask, what am I doing wrong? And really they're never ever doing anything wrong. The only time I have ever seen students do something wrong is when they're doing nothing. And that is when you get screwed because how are you possibly going to get a job and find a career if you are doing nothing? There are times where you could certainly treat yourself and like do things that aren't just regarding to the job market. I'm not saying that at all, like just work, work, work for the, till you find a job, but really just make sure you're devoting some time to lay out a plan, have some tangible goals and like, create a system that works for you and then track it and do trial and error. From there, you will succeed. I guarantee it. And it may not show immediately or afterwards. And you should define what success looks like. But ultimately, I think that is the best advice I can do. I could certainly go into more details and tips about other more specific things like resume, cover letter, networking, and DC, everything. But I think it's important that like 60,000 foot view, especially what students are going through this time around, that like one of the biggest thing is just like, go easy on yourself, know that you're not really doing anything wrong. And just as long as you keep on moving forward, you're doing great. That is excellent advice. One last question before we get into your professional narrative, especially for students who are looking to get into the DC job market, to move to DC, to try and make it in the capital. What is your advice for that? Yeah. So, well, first of all, on how to get to DC, you just got to get there. Like, <laughs> I, I know that there are definitely some financial things to consider, but there are there's a great Badger network of people who are willing to help you out. I know students who've just moved here who like worked financially to make that happen. I was super lucky. I actually, after the Obama campaign came to DC um, and stayed with my cousins at the very outskirts, like it was like a mile and a half walk from the nearest train station. But I did it because I knew that's where I wanted to be and that's where things were happening. So if you want to get to DC, like, I know it sounds crazy, but get there. If you're not a senior or graduating in May, like they're also, I guess, quick plug. I don't know if, but like, there's a wonderful program that I'm a part of here. I don't know the exact name, 
but it's the an internship program that basically has Badgers come to DC. They just find with an internship. Bola runs it. She's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, they have wonderful guest speakers. <clears throat> Me too. I'm there too sometimes. And um, great resources available. And like, look what, I, you know, everyone's different. I've also just last thing I wanted to add here. I think it's a lot of poli-sci majors are the same, but I learned best by doing too. So like the more you could actually get tangible an idea of what it's like, I'm sure you want to be in DC, go from there. Also, I want, actually, I want to add one more thing. I thought a lot about this when I got this question. I learned this the hard way, but don't go to a city just for the draw of the city. Like go to DC just to do DC. I went to New York just because I wanted to be in New York. And you really should more than that, figure out why you want to ask yourself why you want to go there. Like I wanted to go to a place where the action was. And honestly, the action that I was looking for was actually not in New York and not in DC. It was in rural middle of nowhere, Colorado <laughs> on the Obama campaign. And like, did not ever think that it would be there, but it was. And honestly, a, most of my time, I've lived in many places. And I could tell you from a, especially on a political campaign, the action is never in the cities, unless you are doing like a local mayoral race. Like the action is like in the field, like with the people, with the candidates, in the churches, in the mosques, in the shuls, like it is, that is where the action is. And like, if you are looking for action, sure, it will, they will, are definitely organizations where it's the room where it happens or whatever. That doesn't really exist. Sorry to break everyone's bubble. But like, every time you think you're in the room where it happens, you're never in the room where it happens. Anyway, sorry about that tangent. But point being is before deciding on a city, make sure you understand why you're going there and what you want to accomplish. Because upon reflection, it may not necessarily be the right fit. Wholly endorse DC, by the way. Wonderful city. But just know that. No, yeah, for sure. I think that's really, really good advice for a lot of political science majors. I mean, I, I think myself as well, I'm kind of guilty of looking at the city with rose-colored glasses because of, you know, the the big prestigious buildings and the uh, nice restaurants on U Street or whatever. But I, I think that's really good advice to not kind of consider that the only or even the best place to be. And let um, me tell you, like, the the best places, sorry to interrupt there, but like, again, take my information with a grain of salt, but like, I will tell you, there is nothing better than getting drinks in Southside, middle of nowhere, Virginia, with some good buddies, like, and just having a fun time. You could give me access to the hottest club or the best bar in DC or even in New York. And it just does not compare. I had some of my best nights in like middle of nowhere, hole in the wall places that weren't, wasn't just like kitschy hole in the wall, like actual hole in the wall spots. And like, those are the moments that matter. So again, it's more about what you're looking for and who you're looking to be around at those places. Again, great bars and restaurants go there all the time, but yeah. No, I think that's all really, really good advice. And I think really important for a lot of people, myself included, to hear at this kind of crucial stage setting up the rest of our lives. But then also just to kind of speak generally about not, I guess, necessarily the geography, but more of the type of work that you have been involved in. Could you talk to us a little bit about the work that you did both with Fight for Our Future and also as a political consultant in general? 
like what does maybe the day to day of that kind of work look like and what kind of skills do you feel like were really important to carry into that job from your time at UW. Yeah, so For Our Future is a really lovely organization. It's a super PAC advocating for progressive values by basically establishing like a permanent presence in battleground states. They work aside local leaders and have one-on-one conversations with voters year round, not just during an election. And I was really drawn to that. What skills do you need to do that? I think well, and all these skills really mean is grassroots organizing. Like it's a grassroots organization. It's like all about mobilizing people towards an action. So first thing you need to be is really organized. It's a big skill. There is no set standard for that. Like I am as ADD as they come, but I needed to create something. Otherwise I would be like absolutely crushed. In field organizing, you also need to be okay with being in a lot of the gray sometimes. I think this is actually a theme in politics a lot. Other skills that I would say is communication, just an ability and a willingness to like communicate with others and have conversations with them and to be a good listener and to just an ability to be able to to listen to someone, not just talk at them. Because despite what you maybe political science professors say, and the data shows like people, anybody, no matter what their education level is, they know when someone is not being genuine and they know when someone is just selling them a bag of goods. And like, so you need to like have a willingness to understand where that person is coming from. Otherwise it's going to be a total bummer. Discipline, I think is another one. And I just mean like, you're really on a campaign and in field, you're really in control of success. And if you don't succeed, like no one is there to like, make sure that you do succeed. Sometimes you do, but like, ultimately the expectation is like real world here, everyone, like got to get these done. You got to handle these metrics and it's up to you to figure that out. And the expectation a lot of times is not nine to five. It's a lot more work. And so like, you need to have that discipline to be like, all right, I need to get everything in order. Like at For Our Future, I had a ton of work to do, even though we had weekends off. I took my entire Sunday to literally plan out what my priorities were for the week. Got a cup of coffee, was in a coffee shop, whatever that is anymore. You know, I haven't said that word in forever. But like, whatever, if you can't do a coffee shop, you find an open space, planned out what my priorities were, when those priorities were going to happen, when my other pieces, like when my personal stuff was going to happen and just made sure I had a set plan in place and was very disciplined in making sure that happened. There are other 10 other things, but I think those are some core ones <laughs> that you need. And then kind of, the, I guess, take a bit more of a retrospective perspective on all of this. If we look back to then kind of your time at UW, but consider maybe things that weren't happening on campus, but off campus, or at least outside the classroom. What things did you do with respect to organizations, other activities, internships, that you felt like led to additional success in the job market? I know that, you know, something you said earlier that really resonated was the only wrong thing is to do nothing. But do you feel like there were things in particular that you did that helped develop some of those skills that you were talking about earlier? No. <laughs> um, that's just my personal experience. I will say this. So, so great question, actually. And I've definitely had friends who like worked, especially I found people who were most, so I'll say this, I'll first talk about their experience and then why I just said no. 
So the first part is that like who I found being the most people who are most been effective in the grassroots organizing field campaign work were actually folks who already had that person to person one-on-one facing under high stress conditions. So like people who like were volunteer teachers were excellent at what they did and they found it just way easier and way better. People who worked in the service industry were absolutely fantastic. They just knew how to deal with people better. They understood how to create systems. Really, really talented folks. And then obviously people who had just previously done extracurriculars and done campaigns and volunteered previously, they had a lot more information going in than I did. So that was also beneficial. So those people I found have been super successful. Why I just said no was honestly, I had the really great experiences. Like I did a bunch of extracurriculars, but ultimately I think at least for my job and a lot of a job in DC, what ultimately strengthened my skills was really just hanging out with friends and like meeting new people. And like, that is what DC and campaigns and politics is all about is like honing that skill, learning like how to read people, how, again, I don't know why this theme keeps on showing up because I wasn't planning for it, but learning how to be empathetic, how to understand. It's cliche and it hasn't been in existence like the past year, but like the, the, the cliche DC term is that like nothing gets done until happy hour. And it's such a terrible phrase. I really wish I didn't know that people know it, but like the idea still remains the same, which is that people are getting stuff done when they are creating relationships. I think that's the overall piece. And so that when I learned from UW, it was doing that. And honestly, it was just the idea of like having close friends, like my best jobs and my best situations in my career have been because a friend of mine who I was close with and not just worked with, was close with said, Hey, I think this would be great for you. And so like those times at UW when I made really great friends and a really great group knit of people really helped me be really good at what I do. Yeah. Along the same line of thought then, what are some things that you think students can do to distinguish themselves from other graduates of other top universities as they're looking for a job? Yeah. So how to distinguish yourself. So in a way, I hear this in multiple this question in multiple ways, particularly like how do I get my resume like out of the pile? And to them I respond in a way that they hate, which is like don't get in the pile to begin with. You want to be that person who their resume is being handed to the hiring manager and being like, this person is great. Take a look at them. How do you do that? Like, how do you get to that point? The first thing is creating your network. So meeting with people, talking with them, staying in contact, doing as many activities as possible that get you to the job and the roles that you want, either like volunteering on a campaign. Again, I didn't do this, but it's not to say it's not bad, but joining like Democratic or, or Republican or any sort of active organizations out there that may be linked to other organizations who might be a part of it. And that's what you really got to do. And like networking is the worst. It is scary. I hate it. I will probably say out of every 10 networking opportunities that I have today, knowing what I know now, I probably take three of those. I probably take three out of those 10. Like, and that is amazing. And, but when I was in college, I took zero to one. That definitely did, you know, put me in situations where I took a job just to take a job. So like the better you can do that just to try to like, and it's scary. It's the worst. But once you 
have a conversation with folks and you just you do most of that like the scary part kind of goes away especially as a student and, and i think this is true for not just politics but in campaigns but i'll try to keep it to what i am familiar with obviously campaigns some of these jobs at the hill these are competitive there are lots of people out there and um but as a college student as someone just coming out of a college right like they're not you're not competing with anybody you are getting a networking meeting with and more than that, I guarantee you that most of those people got to where they were because they were helped by people with random acts of kindness. So while it may be scary, it may not be fun to do at times, now is actually your best bet to do it because people at this point are most willing to help and to talk to people just coming out of school because there is no blueprint. This is why I do this. There is no blueprint it stinks. There should be. There's no universal politics HR of how to do this and what the right sets are. It's just your currency and your value is what you know and who you know and like how to navigate it. And like people understand that. And that is why I try to talk to as many UW students as possible. And partially one of the big reasons why I'm on here is knowing that like is trying to give as best as I can a better sense to them about how to navigate this tough world. And we're happy to have you on, believe, believe us. We're very happy to have you on for all this advice. But then kind of speaking of which, and you mentioned the concept of an individual's currency in relationship to their propensity to potentially secure a position. And we're curious as to maybe what skill sets maybe people don't have after coming out of a, say, letters and science education at the UW. Or, you know, it, to, to put it in other words, like, are there parts of a, or skills that aren't necessarily included in the letters and science or political science education that you feel like might be necessary or beneficial for what we might call a good entry-level job? Uh, you know, a lot of people wonder about, say, like being adept in s statistics or using computer programs like Excel. What do you think that maybe us undergrads should be working on right now that might not necessarily be covered in the curriculum of our major? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I'm one of two minds on this, to be honest with you, because I have mentored a couple students and I've been like, look, I, I really wish that. I had taken at least one or two computer science classes because that was really helpful on the campaign trail for a myriad of reasons. And just being able to create databases and everything. And, and I actually literally took time to like off to do classes afterwards and it made me way more marketable and everything like that. That being said, when I told someone to do this, I was like, well, was it helpful? They were like, no, no, not really. <laughs> so like, to me, what I, so given from what I've experienced and what I've heard from other students coming out is that what I would recommend is just do the classes that you're interested in rather than like just choosing something because you think it'll better position yourself unless you know what you really, really want to do. And I think that was the difference. Like if you know that you really want to get into politics and you want to do, and you want to be a data manager then yeah, do some computer science classes. Even if you're not sure, but you're thinking that's something interesting. Yeah, do that. And learn Excel and everything like that. But otherwise, I think it's more important to do what interests you than to necessarily pick a particular skill. 
Now, if people don't accept that answer, well, that's fine. That's your prerogative. You know, I will say that like, if they are just trying to find something, one thing that might give them a leg up, just think about kind of like what advantages you, like what new tools or technology or just sort of anything that you have at your hands that the later generation, like maybe doesn't have at their disposal. So like I was super lucky because the old generation had no idea how to deal with an Excel spreadsheet. So that was big. And like, no one had to do with a CRM. And like, all I did was like, and no one knew that they could just look on YouTube and Google it. And like, you had the answer. So I did those and I became a genius and like life-saving and indisposable and whatnot, you know, but like those people are now kind of me. So we know that stuff. Right. So like, I don't necessarily have a great answer, but if there's any stuff that's really big, like maybe on the digital front and how to like work there, that's what I would recommend. But like before doing that, again, like figure out where exactly does that lead you? Noticing I'm starting to create like a little bit of a through line, like before doing anything, like figure out what you want. And just to be clear, like acknowledging it's okay not to have any idea. Like that's okay. But like, especially if you're graduating in May, just pick a couple things And like, like I was saying before, just go for it, try it out. And like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Try PR. It absolutely sucked. If I didn't try PR, I definitely would have never gone on the Obama campaign. And like that completely changed the trajectory. Will things just happen? No. Like, will it always be successful? No. I always hated those people who were like, just do something and eventually you'll figure it out. Like, what? Like, that's, that's terrible. Like, I hate that advice. I still hear people give that advice and I hate it. But I now understand what they were trying to mean by that, which is like, just keep trying to move forward and don't get paralyzed into doing nothing because you're not thinking you're choosing the right thing. I think ultimately, as I've gotten older, that's what they really meant by it. But they could have phrased it way better. Yeah, that is excellent advice. Just being cognizant of time. Uh, this is a question we've been asking a lot of our recent guests, especially you know during the pandemic. Work-life balance has been a particular challenge for a lot of people and a lot of students. What are some of the strategies that you implore to make sure that you're being successful while working at home? Yeah, so that's really hard. I would say this again, and like going into a work week, having a general idea of what success looks like. I think that is the best way to start out. So like having a general plan of what success looks like, because I remember there've been times where I've been so overwhelmed and I've created all these systems that are so thinking foolproof and they completely fall apart. And they usually, and I, when I look back and be like, why did these, those things fall apart? It's because I had no idea what success looked like for me that week. And so first and foremost, like to find what success looks like for that week, usually that generally helps like even going broader, 60,000 of a few, what does success look like in the next few months? What is like success look like overall? If you need to go even further back, what do I value? Blah, 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 blah. Don't need to go that far back. But like just having an idea of what success looks like. What then helps with me is like building in work and play blocks that really help. Time that's really devoted to doing work, like two hours of just doing this specific task, and then two hours of doing some sort of play. Like I generally like to wake up and start my morning exercising just because it's something for me, it gets me in the mood, and then I could do something that I hate or like I really don't want to do, but I know I have to do it to get it off my plate, right? So I would say that. 
And then just make sure, especially in pandemic world, like find time to just take as many breaks as possible. Although at this stage, I feel like if you're still doing well and succeeding, like you figured it partially out at least a little bit. So like trust that. And for me, I found out early on that I really just needed to like take breaks, go for walks. And I try not to have 20 things because then I get so overwhelmed that I don't do any of them. Just try to have three or five things that are big to do like for the week per day makes it more manageable. Sometimes those days are like my big thing is like do all these 20 of these small things, but like always keep it in perspective. And that really helps keep me done and productive. And again, I'll say this again, just like, if you don't have a great day, you don't feel like you're being productive. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Take a step back, figure out what you try to do one thing. Truly don't try to fix the freaking wheel. Try to do one thing better the next day. A boss of mine told me this a while ago. It's helped me personally and professionally. Like you try to do everything in one day, especially in the world of politics where there will always be 10 million things to do. Like try to fix something like that you want to change overall with your plan strategy. Just one thing a day. Again, great advice. Thank, uh, thanks for sure. I think that's going to make a big difference to a lot of a lot of people, especially as students right now, who I think are also kind might also be feeling overwhelmed sometimes with a lot of the stuff going on. But then the last question that we like to ask our guests: It's been a pretty difficult year, just kind of globally with politics and the pandemic, and just really dark in general. So we've been liking to ask our guests at the end of the show, what are you hopeful about? It can be either something, of course, in your professional life or in your personal life, but just what right now is a source of hope for you? Yeah, it's been a terrible year. It has. And while there's been various degrees of suffering for sure, and, you know, I it's even hard, you know, like... I have friends who are doctors in the medical field and like, but no people who are teachers and just no people who aren't even in any of that, who have like lost loved ones and who have suffered just great loss and great pain and just know, and and know that like, while I am hopeful for the future, that those things will take a while, sometimes even never depending on, on getting better. And I really, it makes me really even emotional because it really, it, it hurts a, a lot and it's, it's tough. And in that same thought, uh, and like my heart goes out to those people, and I, and I do wish them all the best, and like some, t- and they're really inspiring folks. But what also makes me hopeful is that those same folks, and and really all of us in some degree or another, are still going and still making it through it. And like to me, for everything that sucked, the fact that there are still people, people are still going to graduate in May from UW, that you are still doing this podcast, that people are getting shots, that people are still taking like kind of the same thing with the one thing, taking one step forward. I am so hopeful in what we can do moving forward because as long as people are still doing stuff or still being active or still supporting each other, which I have seen to great degrees on so many levels this year, I am hopeful of that in the future because how I've seen so many people persevere. So that's what I'm hopeful of. I'm just hopeful of just the human, the American, and the Badger spirit. Seriously, this sounds like I'm Aaron and I'm running for Congress. But seriously, like I am hopeful because everything I've seen and that people are still moving forward and it is wonderful. And I truly cannot wait to see what happens 
this year because I think it's going to be one of the best years in a long, long time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aaron. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. It was wonderful. For more information about 1050 Bascom, visit polisci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. 1050 Bascom is edited by Adam Wigger and Sam Beisman, produced by Amy Gangle and recorded remotely for now.